Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Finance First podcast brought to you by and for Agents of Fortune. My name is Davis Fascinella, and I will be your host as well as your captain on this financial ship. And my goal for starting this podcast and for the segments that are going to be following now and in the coming weeks is inevitably to turn my, my I am the captain of the financial ship and make you the captain of the financial ship, or at least your financial ship. And inevitably, we're going to turn that ship into a cruise ship, and we're all going to enjoy the fun that we have together. So um, I just wanted to start... This is the very first podcast. Um, I really came up with this idea a couple days ago, and without the uh, software that I was able to find, I probably wouldn't have been able to do this as easily as I'm doing this right now. So as far as I understand, I should be able to make different segments where you can skip or rewind to whatever segment it is that you're trying to go to. So... I guess in theory you could take selective segments and share them if you like them or if you didn't like them that's fine I actually appreciate the feedback it helps me make better quality podcasts and like I said I'm just starting this so bear with me for a little bit but um, a brief introduction about myself um, I graduated from Mel High Melbourne High School uh, uh, if you don't if you're not familiar with, Mel, with the Melbourne area uh, in 2015. And uh, when I went to high school, I'm not going to lie. I mean, I've kind of grown up in the uh, finance sector and industry my whole life, uh, ever since I was a little kid, one foot tall. And um, as far as I could tell, until I actually started doing what I'm doing now, I thought that finances, um, basically everything that is investing pertinent or related was all entirely dependent on math how good you are at math what you know your ability to diagnose numbers in a way that you know it's it's almost natural to you and for the longest time in my life I was never really that person I was never good at math um, I wasn't good at algebra I wasn't good at geometry I could I, you know I'm perfectly fine doing regular math but this was you know advanced topics so as far as I uh, you know as far as that went I actually, when I first got a taste for how this was going to be, I was a junior in high school, so this is 2014, and I came to a realization that I was taking Algebra 2 at the time, and my teacher was one of those people that was so smart, you know, he, he was a kind of guy that didn't know what it mean, what it meant to not understand math, so obviously we had a pretty big uh, divide simply from that point of view. So um, I decided halfway through that I wasn't going to pass this class and I needed to salvage my credits because my grade was not good. So I got moved into financial algebra, which I guess a lot of people deem to be a remedial math class. And I'm not going to lie, it was the best math class I've ever taken in my life. I, I had more fun in that class simply, you know, from the point of view that what I was learning wasn't geometry, it wasn't algebra, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't uh, hypotheticals, it was, well, it was hypotheticals, but it was real world hypotheticals, it was, you know, how do I calculate my taxes, how do I, uh, how do I calculate my electric bill, my water bill, insurance payments, it, it had real world applications to it, and that's when I came, you know, I did really well in that class, and I realized that, you know, math, it, you know, it, it's a lot it's all in the eye of the beholder, basically. 
So when I got out of high school, I decided, you know what, I'm going to take a stab at this. I'm going to do what, you know, what my dad did and he was uh, and still does. Uh, he was a principal market maker on Wall Street for 30 years for uh, Merrill Lynch. And, uh, you know, so I get a lot of a lot of my knowledge comes from him. But at the same time, I've you know learned that it's important if you want to make a name for yourself, you have to develop your own opinions, you have to develop your own way of thinking. Which is why instead, you know, I could be one of those people that sits here and tries to tell you how to make decisions for yourself, but rather I would want to arm you with the tools for you to make yourself, you know, uh, educated and be able to make your own decisions rather than me have to be the, you know, the crutch to you having success. So what, you know, these topics that are going to be following is kind of going along those lines. I want to do, you know, kind of a general analysis at the same time. I want to try to tie in personal applications to it. So that's what I'm going to attempt to do, basically. So the segments that are going to be following, um, I'm going to start with the first segment is going to be current market evaluations. Um, the second segment is going to be when to buy, when to sell. Uh, segment three is going to be about risk tolerances. And segment four is going to be all about cost and expenses, which I know, you know, as millennials and maybe if there's some Generation Xers listening to this, maybe this applies to you too. It would definitely apply to you too. But we all have expenses. We all have, you know, different debts, uh, you know, whether they're college debts or whether they're credit card debts. We've all accumulated some form of debt over our lifetime. So uh, that's going to be kind of another segment where I try to tie in investments into debt to try to help offset some of that. So we're going to roll right into uh, segment one because I don't want this podcast to go really any longer than 15 minutes. But if you guys, you know, if you if you feel like that's worth it and you listen for 15 minutes, be my guest. So we're going to roll right into current market evaluation. Now, I don't know if any of you follow me on Twitter, but I'm going to be posting a link on Twitter. I made a tweet yesterday, probably around 2 p.m.-ish or so, when I was still at work, um, I was doing my normal market evaluations that I do when I'm working with my clients and our prospective clients. And through the process, I noticed some tendencies that were forming. Um, some of those are what we call external or macro tendencies, and some of them were internal or micro tendencies. So the tendencies that I was really starting to see start to firm up was that we were working on things in the economy that don't necessarily happen overnight. Um, since 2016 had started and uh, we had a new president, we had a new transition into an economy that was going to look very different than it did for the last eight years. We were really transitioning from a conservationist mentality now to a growth mentality. What came with a lot of that were a lot of very positive things that people really enjoy and that or we're all going to benefit from greatly, but on the other side of that equation were challenges that are new and challenges that have always been there. An example of a challenge that's always been there is the debt of our country now topping $20 trillion. I mean, it's no secret. We're, we got to take care of that because this is not going to, uh, it's not going to pan out well for us if we don't start making dividends towards that end. So part of what we're doing as a country now is with the growth mentality, the the uh, the state of mind is that we're going to be able to spend more or rather spend marginally more 
and offset what we are spending and still pay off the debt through reaching growth in our GDP, probably in the area of 4% is what is needed to start making any meaningful impact on our debt, all the while having to reduce our debt. So that's definitely something that's going to weigh on the markets all the way through, you know, for until we start making significant strides towards that end. But what that really has to do with is the fact that today, the Dow was up 440 points, or 1.77%. The S&P was up 47 points, or 1.74%. And what the NASDAQ was up was 132 points. 132 points, mind you. 1.79%. Now, there's a reason behind that. There's, Like I said, there's macro reasons and micro reasons. So let's focus on a macro reason. A macro reason is, is we have tax cuts now, corporate tax cuts. For the longest time, corporations could not afford to divert revenue that would otherwise be going towards uh, stock buybacks or towards dividends. They could not afford to use that in an expansionist growth mentality because their biggest expense is workers. Now, obviously, if any of you have listened to Trump's talk lately, his biggest, you know, sticking talking point is jobs. He wants job growth. So, in light of that, what we've decided to do as a nation now is transition into a job hiring environment where we want companies to go out and hire as many people as they can because they will be incentivized to go do that through different tax acts that are being implemented now and are going to be implemented in the future as far as I understand. So when you take a 35% corporate tax uh, rate and reduce it down to 15%, that's a you know that's a 20% reduction in in taxes and look at it as a 20% expense. If you took any of the bills you had and reduced them up by 20%, you'd be pretty happy too that uh, you know you're going to be saving a considerable amount of money. So what was decided was that most of those companies, not all of them, but most of those companies were going to take that money and repatriate it by hiring more workers. So just uh, today, actually this morning. I knew that there was going to be a jobs report that was going to come out. I was watching Bloomberg. I'm sure many of you are familiar with Bloomberg. I was watching Bloomberg last night, and I saw uh, one of these talking heads, one of these analysts, saying to them, saying to uh, to the host and uh, the people that are watching. He was saying, "Yeah, I'm expecting. You know, they're saying 200,000 on jobs. I'm going to go bearish on that number and bring it down to 150,000. 150,000. So that's that's his. You know, that's him throwing in his two cents." So I looked at that same, you know, uh, estimate, and I said to myself, "That we are going to blow that out of the water." So that was probably the main reason why, if you have that mentality in mind, you know that that's what's going to be happening. And obviously, you have to have some, you know, data statistics to back that up. And unfortunately, through this podcast, I can't really illustrate that. But in person, obviously, I could illustrate that for you. But uh, not to tie up too much time, um, when you take that, when you take those numbers and you try to quantify them, and then the estimate that was around two hundred twenty thousand realistically was the federal estimate, and then we came out and posted a three hundred fifteen thousand jobs growth, all for one month, three hundred fifteen thousand jobs. I mean, that's um, that's a lot of that's a lot of jobs. So 
people that look at these things like the tariff bill and they think, oh, you know, this is going to be horrible for free trade. You know what? Maybe it will make free trade tough. But at the same time, would you rather have competitive tough trade or would you rather have a natural disadvantage built in by law against our country, which is what most of these other countries have. China, for example, they have a 25%, and you can look at this, Elon Musk just tweeted this earlier, they have a 25% import tax on U.S. automobiles, whereas we have a 2.5% tax on import tax on cars coming in from China. That's a 10 times difference in the import taxes for our companies. And frankly, that's such a large gap that cannot be easily overcome, and it and it really eats away at the ability for these companies to export, which is what the United States has a very hard time doing. We're very good at importing; we're not easy, or it's not easy to export. So, when you combine these these different factors together, and you know that okay, you know, this tariff was a shock and awe strategy. Now we've kind of rolled the tariffs back on Canada. We've rolled them back on Mexico. So now we know, okay, you know, this is going to be a little bit better. This is going to, you know, people are happy about this. So now what we're going to be doing is, is we're going to say to ourselves, all right, now that we're armed with this information, we're going to make an educated decision. My educated decision was to say, we're going to beat the hell out of these jobs expectations. That was my expectation. And sure enough, we got to the day, and we ended up 440 points. Now, I'm going to roll right into my next segment on that end, because this is where we start talking about when it's important to buy and when it's important to sell. Obviously, going into a weekend, barring any number of things, unforeseen things that could happen, you don't want to leave a lot of open-ended positions. So I did most of my profit-taking on my positions that were up above 6%, 8%. I had a couple in the 15% range. You know, these were it was the time to take profits. Normally, I like to be long on these positions, but the company that I use for my broker-dealing, uh, they do not charge me commissions. So I'm able to make these trades seamlessly, and it doesn't cost me from the area of expenses. We'll, we'll talk about that in cost margins later on, but it's a lot easier for me to make trades you know, during the day. I don't want to necessarily call it day trading, but that kind of is what it is in a way, and I wanted to take my profits, so I took my profits today, as most people I'm sure would if they saw you know, the day that we were having. However... Who is to say that on Monday or on Tuesday, considering what could happen over the weekend, and I don't have a crystal ball, I can't tell you what's going to happen, the market could go turn just as easily back around and go down 300 points. I don't know. I have to watch. And in which case, I would be letting you guys know that I that's what I think. And it would be up to you to make you know use your own brain and make a decision on whether you believe me or not. And I'm not going to be right all the time, but I... <laughs> I I have to, for the sake of my success on this podcast and in real life, I have to be more right than I am wrong. So something that uh, my dad always tells me that I would like to kind of share with you guys is, is I want you to know that you never go broke taking profits. So if you have any positions that you have up in an area and a range that you think to yourself, you know what, I could use that. I, that, w- that would be nice to have that. Then don't, don't hesitate. Go ahead and take it. There's nothing wrong with, you know, you'll be, you'll be a lot 
more sorry if you miss out and it reverses on you than you would have been by saying to yourself, oh, I need to get that extra percent. I want to get that extra 2%. Don't chase the percentages. You Sometimes you have to know to take what you get. Now, I'm not saying if you got into a position and you're at 3% or 4%, you got to sell because I wouldn't probably do that. I like to, you know, let the, when you make an investment, it shouldn't just be about the you know the then in the next couple days it should be about what you foresee that company doing in a month and two months and three months and you have to adjust your positions depending on the news that comes out another uh popular concept is to say to sell on the news and i can agree with that at times not all the time but when it's applicable yeah you sell on the news uh for example if a company is at around fifty dollars a share and it jumps up in a you know week and a half two week period up to sixty dollars, that's a pro- you're taking profits on that. Um, in another example, if you're taking you know um, the different kinds of ETFs and low cost stocks that you could have, I mean, most of what I would try to diversify myself into would be a mix of lower costs in the 15, 20, uh, maybe 20 to $30 range because, I mean, let's be honest here, we're not made of money. I don't have, you know, $50,000 on my personal account to go invest on these things. So you want to develop a system where you're accumulating stocks. You want to accumulate a meaningful share of stocks, not just one stock here, one stock there. You want to get 10 stocks here, 20 stocks there. And that's when you'll start to see meaningful trades. Now, obviously, from a risk tolerance, and this is where we can roll into risk tolerance, from a risk tolerance perspective, you don't want to have any large, large percentage of your equity and your of your money tied up in one position. You want to diversify. So what I like to use as a general rule of thumb, and this is for a, um, a we'll call it a moderately aggressive investor, is what I'll brand this as, you could take you know, um, 10% of your money, have it be in very high risk, you know, uh, a a stock that's down in the $5 range, $6 range. You take 10% of your money and go into something like that, where you can accumulate a large number of stocks. It might have high volatility, it might have medium volatility, but it's going to move around. And when it goes down and it gives you a little gut check and you could go down 4 5% on the day, you got to know you're sticking with that until it comes back up because there's no point in selling into the lows. You want to buy into the lows. So what some people will do is they recommend having 50% of, mo- of your money on the side in a way that if your money starts to pull back and you say to yourself, oh, I'm down 3% in this position, but you know it's going to go back up and you believe in the fundamentals of that stock. You say to yourself, okay, I'm going to take some of, uh, you know, maybe another 5% of my money. You have to be, you know, you have to have conviction about this and you can't break your rules. And I'm going to go and double up on this position. And then what you're going to do is you're going to dollar cost average between the price that you buy in at lower and the price that is higher. And you're going to meet somewhere in the middle on that. So, you know, that's pretty important way to accumulate meaningful stock without selling off your stock in a knee jerk panic, you know, type of mentality. So that's something I definitely, you know, would say is important to have instilled. And on the other side of that, though, you want to have a low risk side too. So I would say, you know, maybe 10% in low risk would be probably what I would, what I, you know, do for myself. 
because we're in a growth environment. You know, you don't want to have most of your money tied up in fixed, you know, investments that are going to have a low rate of return. I mean, you want to make as much money as possible while the wind is blowing in your direction. You want a headwind, not a tailwind. Or rather, uh, vice versa, I'm sorry. Uh, you want a tailwind and not a headwind. So, you know, from that perspective, maybe I'm going to want to have 20% in a moderately risky, you know, um, tolerance or moderately aggressive tolerance where I know that, you know, it can go up, it can go down, but more likely than not, it's going to go up more than it's going to go down. And when it is up, I'm going to take my profits because I know it could just as easily go down, which may in turn give you another buying opportunity. So I'm going to roll right into our last segment and give some closing statements. I've gone way over what I was you know, trying to do here. I'm five minutes over. So hopefully I can find a way to shorten these uh, in the future. And like I said, you can go through each segment and listen to what you think is important to yourself or pertains to yourself. So we're going to talk about costs and expenses. So it's very important, depending on who you use as your broker dealer for trading, that you don't run up or accrue a large number of expenses through ticket charges. Or even if you're on the crypto side, you're doing crypto trading, uh, a lot of these crypto exchanges will take, you know, knock a little fee on you whenever you're doing your trading. Now, in your higher volatility trading, you know, vehicles, you're going to be trading a lot. I mean, you, you could easily run up a bill that's going to take away from your from your uh, revenue, from your growth. And that's going to weigh in on your net growth, you know, for whatever you perceive to be is your return for whatever period of time you're trying to measure. So... If you're thinking from that, you know, uh, frame of mind, you want to look at it as okay. Every dollar that I save is actually a dollar that I made because it's one more dollar that I have in my pocket that I wouldn't have had if I had spent it. So, if you're trying to save money, you should look for a BD. A BD stands for a broker dealer. You should look for a broker dealer where you can do very low cost, if not low cost, and free trading. And uh, you're more than welcome to reach out to me and I can put you guys, you know, on some stuff that, you know, I use that would probably help you. So, you know, feel free to give me a shout out and I'll, and I'll help you out there. But like I said, you want to try to really keep those expenses and your cost margins down. So what that really entails to is, is you don't want to chase a stock when it's at its 52 week high and say, I'm going to buy at the high. Because that, because then you're essentially setting yourself up for disaster. Because you have nothing, you have a very large windfall of you know a gap underneath you to fall down with pretty much airtight, uh, you know, on the upside. So you want to try to look at that's when the 52-week range becomes pertinent. Is you want to try to strike it in the middle or when it's low but with positive momentum because momentum is very important with a lot of these companies especially in the nasdaq where these are tech companies they're blockchain companies they're companies that the news is very important and the contracts and the things that they're doing are very important and can change their economic outlook very quickly so revenue reports earnings per share all of that becomes very important to keep in mind and should definitely, you know, for the more sophisticated parties, should definitely be involved in your process for, you know, self-evaluation of what positions you're going to go into. But like I said, you want to try to strike it somewhere in the middle. That's that's probably the best way to go about it. You take a little bit on the downside, then you can do what I told you before. You can buy more. But the general idea is that if you're investing in this company in the first place, you think it's going to go up. So you wouldn't want to sell short. You want to 
buy into the lows and sell into the highs. Take your profits, and then when it pulls back, you can go back in if you believe in it enough that you want to do that, and hopefully the whatever software firm you're using, yeah, it's low cost enough that that works for you, okay? All right, so... Um, for my closing statements, uh, since this is my first podcast, I just want to, you know, say thank you to, um, Anchor, uh, I think is the name of this app that I'm using to make these podcasts. Um, I also want to say thank you to all the listeners, uh, the ladies and gentlemen, they're going to be listening to this and uh, I hope that you guys will come back and that you like the, the material that you heard here and you want to come back and support the podcast, support me. I appreciate that and I appreciate the feedback that helps me, you know, create more positive content, uh, things that you guys really want to hear. So I'm always, you know, my, my DMs and Twitter are always open to uh, people, you know, being able to throw suggestions of, uh, you know, what they think they want to hear, what, you th- what they think people want to hear. I appreciate the feedback. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at Rockefeller Darv. That is R-O-K-A-F-E-L-L-A-D-A-R-V. That, yeah, at Rockefeller Darv. And uh, I think you guys should have a pretty easy time being able to find that. But um, if you don't, I'll try to make a, you know, I'll try to make it in a way that is a little more easy to find. Um, I'm gonna post this link on Twitter, and uh, I'm also gonna post a uh, an ending song and a beginning song, which I want everyone to know. You can skip through in the future if you don't like the song. You can just skip through that. Um, anything else? Uh, oh, I just want to give some uh, some shout outs real quick to. Uh, I want to shout out Drew Ayers. Uh, Drew Ayers helped uh, came uh, he came up with half of the name. I actually ran a Twitter poll to see. Uh, it was between. The name I wanted, which was Agents of Fortune and Finance First. So Drew came up with Finance First. Um, I liked it. I liked it a lot, so I put it in there. Uh, We ran a poll. It was split 50-50, so I said, okay, you know what? I'm not going to be unfair. We'll make it Finance First Podcast brought to you by and for Agents of Fortune. So as of right now, consider all of yourselves Agents of Fortune. My listeners, you are all Agents of Fortune. And, uh, you know, my thought process is that in the end, uh, we will all be very fortunate souls indeed. So uh, I'm going to try to post these uh, recordings weekly or, or uh, bi-weekly every two weeks if I can. So um, give me a little bit of time. Uh, I appreciate, like I said, I appreciate the feedback. And in the future, I'm going to try to make these a little bit shorter shorter, because 26 minutes obviously is uh, quite a lot. So um, thank you all for listening again. Uh, This is Davis Fasanella, and I will talk to you guys next time. Thanks.